Hi there. You're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show, where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. All right, I've got a good one for you this week. In this week's episode, we are talking about communication skills. Having excellent communication skills is critical in the paralegal profession. Much of a paralegal's day is spent communicating either in writing or verbally. Your days are filled with drafting motions, writing summaries of depositions, discussing the project status with an attorney, corresponding by email, telephone calls to clients and vendors, taking notes, writing memos. The list is endless. It is an inherent part of your job, and that's why it's always listed in the requirements for almost all paralegal job postings. Learning to communicate your point clearly is more than just learning how to write grammatically correct sentences. We've got apps for that now. Let's say, for example, that you want to convince your attorney to purchase a new software that's going to increase the team's efficiency on cases. How do you write a request that's compelling and persuasive? Do you know how to summarize everything that the software does, do a cost analysis, and how you're going to roll it out to the team? Can you write about it or speak about it in such a way that convinces the higher-ups that it would be a good purchase? That's something that can only be learned by continuously improving your communication skills. Now, this isn't going to be an episode on persuasive communication skills. That could be another episode and definitely something I'll think about. But today we're going to start with the basics. I call it the seven C's and you've probably seen it out there. Only now I'm going to have it relate specifically to what paralegals do. And don't worry, we're going to list these seven C's in the show notes for you. So if you're driving or running or walking, however you're listening today, those will be available to you down below. All right. Number one, clear. To be clear, Try to minimize the number of ideas in each email or in each sentence within the email or within whatever you're saying. Make sure that it's easy for your reader to understand your meaning. People shouldn't have to read between the lines or make assumptions on what you're trying to say. The best way to do that is to have one call to action. What do you want them to do? I know one topic isn't always practical. If that's the case, let's say it's an email, then separate out the topics with headings and bullet points. Maybe put the call to action in bold for each one. Ask yourself, what's the purpose in communicating with this person? If you're not sure, then your audience probably won't be sure either. Also, be clear about any attachments. Don't send the attachment without any explanation for what it is or why you've sent it. This may make both the email and the attachment look like spam. And make sure to note how large the attachment is. If it's very large, explain the size of the attachment so they know that it's supposed to be that large and it's not a potential virus. All right, number two, concise. 
As paralegals working with lawyers, we read their briefs and demand letters and contracts and all kinds of written communication that can be quite lengthy and filled with a lot of legal jargon. It's far too easy to start developing that writing habit in our other communications, like emails and memos. When you're concise in your communication, you stick to the point and keep it brief. You're conscious of time, especially in the legal industry, right? You're very conscious of time. And so if you're concise, you're not wasting other people's time. Your audience doesn't have the time and doesn't want to read six sentences when it could have been communicated in three. Unless the topic necessitates a very long email, keep your correspondence as short and to the point as possible. This might mean cleaning up long email chains. You don't want your recipient to miss an important point because it was buried in long paragraphs. If it has to be a long email, then separate out the topic with topic titles, either underlined or in bold. So I say the best way to be concise is to never say in more than one sentence what you can say in one, and never say in more than one word what you can say in one. So consider there's a few things that I see a lot that, and we say it, we we say it and we write it all the time, and I have to catch myself even occasionally. So here's a few examples of what I call redundancy that we can eliminate in our writing and in our speaking. This applies to verbal communication as well. So a redundancy might be something like 12 midnight instead of saying midnight. Close proximity instead of proximity. Completely unanimous instead of just unanimous. Exactly the same instead of the same. Final completion instead of completion. We are in receipt of instead of we have received. I think this is one of the seven C's that's probably the most difficult to master as a legal professional. We're taught to be thorough and not leave anything out. We're taught to make sure we've crossed all of our T's and dotted all of our I's. We've read those 30-page briefs where the attorney so eloquently and thoroughly argued their client's position to the court. The thing is, that's what might be necessary in order to thoroughly cover all potential arguments and counter-arguments. But that doesn't mean that we should ramble on with content that's not necessary to make the point. Concise writing takes more time than just putting all your thoughts to paper. You know, Mark Twain put it best when he said in a quote, I didn't have the time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. In other words, he wrote a long letter because he didn't have the time that it would have taken to make it concise. All right, moving on to number three, confident. The more confident you are when you communicate, whether verbally or in writing, the more confident people will be in you. Confidence builds trust and credibility. One way to have confidence in your communication is to do thorough research and know your subject matter. Without adequate knowledge of a subject that you're writing or speaking about, you're going to appear less confident. Confidence is even more important, I think, as a paralegal and in the legal profession generally. There may be a time when you have to communicate with your supervising attorney about a problem on a file or a transaction or a project. 
if you've thoroughly researched how the problem occurred and potential solutions, you will be confident in your communication of the problem. In fact, I did an episode on becoming the problem solver paralegal. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out. It was episode 15. So how you can find other episodes is go to paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash paralegal podcast dash episode and the number. So for this one, it would be paralegal podcast dash episode 15. Episode 15 is all one word. All right. Number four is correct. We know mistakes with spelling, tone, and grammar can make us look careless. That's why it's essential to check all your communications before you send them. Email may not seem as formal as sending a physical letter, but it is in many ways. This means that you shouldn't type out the email and send it without reading it over. You want to check for any grammar mistakes, obviously, typos, as well as clean up the email. When you're doing that check to make sure it's correct, that's where you can also make sure that it's concise and clear. So then you also want to make sure you proofread your email thoroughly at least once before hitting send and proofread your subject line too. It's the first thing that's going to be read, so it should be as spotless as the rest of your email. That's usually where I see a lot of mistakes is in the subject line. Now, if you don't have an app to assist you with proofreading, then, and even if you do, do some of these. So step one would be use your computer spell check and grammar check. That's a simple one, right? But you got to change the settings on your computer so that it's automatic before every email gets sent and before every document is finalized. Get yourself Grammarly. I have to say that if I was still a paralegal working in a law firm and it was allowed for me to purchase an app outside the computer software, I would own a copy of Grammarly, even if I had to pay for it myself. It's that good. But assuming that you can't do that, then go to step two and read it out loud. It's easier to find errors when you read it out loud because what your eyes don't see, your ears might hear. You could do line-by-line editing using a ruler, just like the college professors did. This will keep your eye from jumping ahead to the next sentence, which is automatic, especially if you're the one who drafted it. And then finally, you could also start at the end of the document and read it backwards one sentence at a time. Again, that prevents you from jumping ahead to that next sentence. All right, number five is credible. So there are three important elements to being credible in your communication. It takes integrity, competence, and sound judgment. All three of them are necessary for credibility to exist. Think about the very competent expert witness who doesn't have integrity, right? They might be competent, but you're going to lose credibility without integrity. Or what if they don't have sound judgment? They frequently change their mind and their opinions last minute. They're going to lose credibility. So ways that you can make sure that you're being credible, right, is building a reputation for truthful and ethical behavior. If you make a mistake, you own up to it. You avoid snap judgments. And that includes when you're writing and speaking. You don't just automatically hit the reply button without thinking about what you're writing. All right, number six is complete. 
In a complete message, the audience has everything they need to be informed and to be able to take action, if that's what you want them to do. Now, it can be difficult to balance complete with concise, but concise doesn't mean that you leave out information. The message still has to be complete. Remember that if you include all seven C's, then concise and complete work at the same time. So you'd ask yourself, does the message include a call to action so that your audience clearly knows what to do? Have you included all of the relevant information, like contact names, dates, times, locations, and so on? Don't make them go back to a prior email or a prior conversation and try to remember what it is that needs to be in that complete email or that complete communication. And then finally, number seven, we have courteous. Courteous communication is friendly, open, and honest. There are no hidden insults or passive-aggressive tones. Email seems like this informal method of communication, but as a paralegal, you likely already know that the emails you send are professional communication, and they should be treated like that. Don't fall into the trap of letting your emotions write an email for you. If you're angry or upset about the subject of the email, then type out a response, save it as a draft, and come back to it the next day. I can't tell you the number of times that that one method alone has saved me because I'd look at the email the next day and say, hmm, that was a little harsh. Maybe I don't feel as strongly about that as I did yesterday. Now, the question I get a lot from this one is, well, what if the initial communication I receive isn't courteous? It doesn't matter. Your response can still be courteous. I got some really good advice many years ago from a partner who said he never puts anything in an email that he wouldn't be comfortable seeing on the front page of the daily report. So the daily report in Atlanta is this daily legal newspaper that comes out that has not only legal stories and legal industry-related stuff, but business-related stuff in Atlanta. And it's also where the court publishes their docket every day. So it's called the Daily Report. So he said he would never put anything in an email that he wouldn't be comfortable seeing on the front page of the Daily Report because it could end up there one day. And especially with what we have now, where it's nothing for someone to leak firm emails to, you know, online newspapers and things. So maybe take that advice and instead of the old-fashioned printed one, say to yourself, I'm never going to put anything in an email that I wouldn't be comfortable seeing posted on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or whatever. All right. So, well, the key to advancing your communication skills is going to be to get into the practice of looking at each piece of communication and asking yourself, does it follow all seven C's? Whether it's a two-sentence email, a conversation in a meeting, a Zoom call, or a three-page letter. And regardless of whether the communication is being sent to your supervisor or a client or just another colleague, look at it and ask yourself if all seven C's have been checked. Thanks, and have a great day. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.